Mother's Day is May 9th. Get the best blanket ever that is also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Miki Couture. Sandy and her staff are doing it again for our listeners, helping you get it right for Mother's Day. Get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MikiCouture.com. The promo code, Zone 50. If you want 50% off, use Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. Question of the day. Try to explain how bleeping the Jazz lost to Minnesota. Bleep, 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 bleeping. In honor of the late, great Jerry Sloan, how the bleep, bleep, bleeping did that happen? And let me tell you, the sarcasm is flowing freely, PK. The comedy is nonstop. They <laughs> didn't score as many points as the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, that's always funny. Comma, David. You know, David, your wife thinks you're funny, and that's it. Josh, it's a long season and things happen. Period. You're welcome. Period. That's Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune. Thank you, Josh. Thanks. Long season? Well, it certainly is a long season. Things happen. They happen. Uh, okay. If, I don't know that I want to just settle on that, though. You know, I was listening to Thurl, and I uh, thought, or well, maybe it was Mike Smith. Uh, I forget which one was saying it afterward. You know, you don't go crazy, but you just don't blow it off either. There's an area in between that you have to learn, have to be aware, have to benefit from. Because losses don't have to just be a complete and total loss. They are in the standings, obviously. But obviously you can benefit from good and bad. And so that's what I think that they will do. I don't think there's any question. They've probably already done it, that that's what they do. And, you know, why did you lose? What can you do to avoid this or that, improve upon this or that? And so you can gain stuff. You, know, you can gain stuff from every time you walk out on that floor, for sure, practice or game. You should anyway, because I mean, you know, no one's playing the perfect game by any stretch. So uh, that's it's more of the mental approach that I didn't like. And I think Quinn Snyder, and I want to ask Steve Cleveland this, it's an interesting situation to have yourself in. You give certain players, a lot of them, have free reign to shoot, right? And so you don't want to hinder or hamper that. But the player has a responsibility to make sure it's a good shot. And how do you balance all that stuff? Because I thought Clarkson, who has complete and total free reign, at least it appears, I thought some shots that they got no chance to go in. You know, why don't you just throw the ball out of bounds so you can set up your defense? And so how do you balance having free reign with the responsibility to make sure you're taking a quality shot? You know, I think that is, uh, and that's a good question for Steve, and he's coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. But I do think that's also changed just in the, I mean, Steve's been retired for a while, but he hasn't been retired that long. But I think the NBA in the last 5 to 10 years, they've come into so much money, I think that's changed. I think the way someone would have dealt with it in the NBA in 2005 or 2010 when Steve was still coaching college basketball and Jerry Sloan was still coaching the Jazz with a three- or four-person staff, that was one, was one way to handle it then. 
Uh, now, I think Joe Ingles told us about this when he was on last week, and he said, you know, i got one coach to work with me. If I want to go get shots up, I just call him, and, and we go get shots up and work on whatever I need to work on. If it's shooting, if it's ball handling, you know, they can watch film. Um, I mean, there's stuff now you, you can watch film separate hotel rooms or if you're at home, separate homes. And I think with Clarkson, the thing to go through is every time he's got the ball, when did you pass up a shot? When did you take the right shot? When did you take a shot you shouldn't have taken? Whoa, whoa, whoa. When did he pass up a shot? Uh-huh. Okay, make sure you call me when that happens. <laughs> well, I think when it happens is uh, when he's driving. And there are times he wants to get all the way to the rim, and there were times where he should have shot earlier. It's not that he doesn't get the shot up, because I get your point. His field goal attempt per minutes played is, uh, boy, I don't know if it leads the league, but it ought to be close. But I think there are times he gets the ball in the perimeter and the time is for a catch-and-shoot jumper. And he would prefer to put it on the floor and get to the rim. And granted, there may not be that many of them, but there are definitely some of them. So I think that one-on-one with every player, because I think the rule is different for every player, and in a timeout in the middle of a game, I don't think you have time to spell that out. You know, and he's got to tell four guys you're passing up open shots, but not you, Jordan. <laughs> you aren't passing up open shots. You know, that's something that in the heat of the moment, uh, you know, at a you know, dead ball, out of bounds, free throw, you can kind of communicate with a guy or communicate with the guys, but you don't have a chance to go through it one at a time. And I think it's way more helpful for the players to know individually, hey, this is what we're looking for from you. Well, Kristobiak has a thing where he gives shots, shots attempted a letter grade, meaning that mm-hmm. there's shots that are A shots, yep. B shots, C shots, so forth. So in each player is going to be, you know, obviously a layup is going to be an A shot or a dunk, but you're not going to get those. I don't expect Conley to be shooting a bunch of layups all the time. So his A shots would be different than somebody else's A shots. But the goal, I would think, is to get as many A shots as you possibly can. Yeah, right. And if they don't go in, that's sort of, so what? That's when you have to accept that it's a make-or-miss league. You get that A shot, even a B shot, you know, 24-second shot clock against a good team, you're not going to get A shots every time down. I mean, you can say you are and that you should, but it's not going to happen. So you're right. right. So... I didn't think shot selection for individuals was a bunch of A shots. I want to avoid as many C and D shots as I possibly can. And some of those you're going to have to take with shot clock situations being what they are. And usually that seems like most of the time that's Mitchell. If not Mitchell, then uh, Clarkson. Those guys get saddled with uh, having to hoist shots that are beating the shot clock. So, you know, I can live with that. I mean, that, that's going to happen. You get in a situation, whatever it might be, a team is playing good defense on you on an individual possession, so you got to put one up, and it's a tough shot. It's probably got a little chance to go, so it's going to wreck your shooting percentage, which is why I don't look at that exclusively as shooting percentage is the be-all, end-all. I don't look at any stat outside of the final score as the be-all, end-all because uh, some Rudy's not getting a lot of shots up against a shot clock, so stands to reason his percentage should be a lot better. Obviously, and even Conley uh, have some of those floaters that he has to take, and the perimeter guys with shot clocks dwindling probably are going to get them more opportunities, and so you're not going to make those. 
but I want the team to get as many A shots as possible because I think if they do, then wow, their chances of winning go way up. And I think they will too. I just don't, I'm not going to lose sleep over this thing here. And you say, oh, well, if they lose the thing by one game, that's going to come back to haunt them. Well, why do I single out the Minnesota game? I mean, there's a whole bunch of games at that point because you're going to have 15 to 20 losses. I can single out every single one of them and say, well, you, you, know, you could have won this game, you could have won that game. So I don't get caught up in all that stuff. Because at the same time, you know, if they beat the Suns, say, on Friday, well, that doesn't mean they're going to win it all. So I'm not going to crash and burn because they lost to Minnesota. Same reason I'm not going to go euphoric if they beat the Suns in Phoenix in five days. Look at you, never get too high, get too low. How did you last this long in sports talk radio? You're supposed to get high and low. Come on now. I don't have that emotional investment, so it's extremely easy for me to do. That game was over. I watched a little post game and went to bed. <laughs> it's like, Slept like a baby. Well, as much as yeah, you ever sleep. Came up and told my wife, did they win? No. Really? I said, yeah, yeah, they didn't play well enough. Oh, okay, good night. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's easy for me to be involved in that stuff or not be involved emotionally. But I think, too, I think it's, I don't want to say easy, but it's something that these guys, I think, have a handle on because it matters but you're not overthrowing chairs and screaming at guys in film rooms and whatnot. You're learning from it. And don't be so casual because you're going to get that the rest of the way. Phoenix is going to be way jacked on Friday. There's just no doubt about it, man. They're going to be fired up. That whole town. This is their shot. You know, they, and they haven't had a shot in over a decade. A very proud franchise that hasn't had a, haven't been in the postseason in over a decade. I would have, growing up there, when they were regularly rolling out 50-win seasons, I would have never thought they would go 10-plus years. Because I think this is their 11th, uh, last year was their 11th season, that they did not go to the playoffs. Man, that there's no way I would have ever thought that. Of course, I wasn't living there when Sarver owned the team. So well, I was about to whole... go and say, you know, we, we talk about the importance of ownership and praise the Millers, yeah. and it does sound a little, a little homerish, right? We're on the flagship station but when you see people who live on the East Coast say the same thing and they have no tie to here and they say it, you know, ownership matters. And Phoenix is a great example of that because when Colangelo owned the team, and I know, and he's the favorite son there, and there are places where maybe, you know, he rubs people the wrong way and, you know, they didn't win the championship and, you know, he parades around with the golden tan and the shoulders back and well he does know what he's talking about it might bug you when he talks the way this but man they had to break it down for multiple reasons multiple times and they always built it back up really quickly but once colangelo was out you know that that happens because of people it happens because of the people in charge it doesn't just happen because we're phoenix and we're the sons you know and you fans found that out with Utah basketball, right? When you have the right person in charge, and they've had the right person multiple times, you get on these awesome runs. And it doesn't matter what decade it is and who the coach is. But then if you don't have one of those people, you know, the NCAA tournament bids get a little thin. And Phoenix found that out because Sarver couldn't do what Colangelo did. And you could probably do, recount them better than I can, but they had multiple groups in Phoenix, and they broke it down and rebuilt it. And never stayed down. And then Sarver was you know, basically down for a decade, with exception of one year, 
Hornacek had a pretty good team one year, and they won 48 games and didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, Colangelo yeah. Is, was, he still is the man there. There was one time I was down was down on an assignment. I forget what the assignment was, uh, and I was in Phoenix, right? So mm-hmm. I'm staying at my parents' house, and I'd put in a call to Mr. Colangelo and uh, about something. I can't even remember what it was. And maybe it was Hornacek retiring or whatnot. I don't remember. Uh, but uh, he called me back. He called me at my parents' house. And my mother answers the phone. And they asked me, you know, he says, Patrick, can you hand there? Yeah, yeah, okay, hand it to me. So my parents are both there, and I'm, they could tell it was an interview. Who was that? I said, that was Jerry Colangelo. <laughs> what? <laughs> you? Our little boy is talking to Jerry bleeping Colangelo? Yeah, see, he really was the man. Still is. There's a lot of respect there in the Valley for sure. He's known as the godfather of Phoenix sports. He came out, I think he got the job at GM when he was like 27, 28, and he was from Chicago, right? And so he comes out, and uh, he has the interview, and uh, they ask him, you know, what makes you think uh, at this young age that you think that you should have this job? And he said, well, you obviously do, or else you wouldn't have flown me out here for the interview. <laughs> and then it kind of took him back a little bit, and, and, and he got the job, and and a very, very dominant figure in Phoenix sports. But the point is, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Jazz have got to match some intensity if, if, if they really want the number one seed because everybody's going to have it. And even, the, and even more so if you should have guys out because this is, this is really their chance to make a mark. So what, how many games they got left? 14, 13? No, no, I think they're under that now. They're down to, are they down to the dirty dozen now? Yes. Yeah. That's what they're at. They've played 60. They, got, they played 60. They got 12 to go. Okay, a lot of these teams, man, that are going, they're going to be facing, they're going to be fired up to play these guys. And I want the Jazz just to have a mental edge. I don't think they had the mental edge against the – Timberwolves on Saturday. That's probably the number one thing that bothered me is they didn't have the mental edge. And they got that lead, and it just came too quick. It was too easy. They're at home. They got a little bit of a crowd in the uh, audience, you know, feeling good about themselves, as they should. But make sure that when you get to 17-point lead, well, let's make it 24 going into halftime. You know, let's really put them away because obviously the bigger the lead with the less time remaining is going to be more difficult for the team to come back. But 17 points in the first quarter, really, I don't want to say who cares because that's not it. But certainly it's not an overwhelming deficit that the other team cannot overcome. You know, 17 points in the fourth quarter, late in the third, that's another story, which we've actually seen teams do that. But certainly in the first quarter, uh, it's plenty, plenty of time, plenty of possessions left to overcome that. So uh, the, the great thing about it is, though, it, it, it's only Minnesota. But doesn't it just kind of ramp up the ante for tonight's game a little bit? Of course it does. Of course it does. Yeah, to get to lose, that's good. To get, to get embarrassed at home, to give away a game. Everybody knows you should have won. They're Team 29, you're Team 1. And you turn around and play 48 hours later. If this hasn't amped you up a little bit, 
I mean, you're always looking for something, right? Jordan would make stuff up to motivate yeah. him. Well, you don't have to make it up now. It's real. It's the scoreboard from the last game. What's more important than the final score? It went the wrong way. It's the same exact team. Of course, if it's not ramped up tonight, then that's a big old gigantic uh, you know, red flag going up. I mean, I, honestly, I think the last Saturday was a red flag going up. You know, it's stuff went wrong. You, you started out, you had the right mindset, you're dominating after a quarter, and Quinn said they lost their focus. They clearly did. It happens. It's a 72-game season. You can't be great every quarter. The red flag to me is in the playoffs, there's a couple things you got to do if you're going to win it all. And one is you got to be big on the biggest stage. When everyone says it's a huge game, you can't be nervous. You got to go out there and do your thing to the level you normally do it. But you also have to, and all the champions can do this. Any great player, who, any great team, any sport, they do this. Stuff goes wrong. It just does. It goes wrong in the middle of the game, and you got to turn it around. You're going to fall behind. They're going to make plays. You got to turn it around. And it doesn't matter if you're in baseball and you got to come up with two runs in the last couple innings. It doesn't matter in football if you're down 10 in the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter in basketball if you need three stops and three buckets. Well, you just go do it. And you, you have to have that like internally. Maybe a coach can help you with it a little bit at a timeout, but it's basically on the guys. And the fact that it went wrong against Minnesota, I totally get. But the fact they couldn't turn it around, especially when I thought they had turned it around and they'd retaken the lead. But it's what you said earlier. Minnesota had too much confidence, but it, it, it bugged me that the Jazz you know, went two and a half or three minutes, whatever it was, from that second bogey three when they took the lead until Clarkson hit a late three when basically they weren't going to do it. I mean, maybe they could have, but man, stuff really would have had to line up. But in between, they had several possessions. And they, they had a, a missed three and an offensive rebound, another missed three, and they had a, a turnover on an attempted lob. I mean, there were, there were opportunities to finish that game. And we would be in here talking about, well, it was a messy win, but they got it done in the end. I just don't think that you can undervalue the ability of a team to turn things around in the middle of the game when it's not going right. That's an awesome power to have. And you need it in the playoffs. You need it. And the fact they didn't have it Saturday... If that bugs you, well, you're right there with me because it bugs me too. And that's why we got people tweeting at us stuff like uh, they aren't as good as advertised. Uh, championship teams, uh, Dr. Sarcastic Coog at Blue Blood Coog, hardcore BYU fan. I don't know, but championship teams don't do that at home. That's probably a little more than you want to put on at PK. But I think he's feeling a little bit of yeah. what I felt, and that's why he's putting it on him. I do have a problem that any one thing that happens in a regular season game a uh, month before the playoffs decides that that's how the playoffs are going to go. I think we can go back and look at past championship games. Yeah, but whatever. I, I'll tell you why people th- – I, I, I think there's a specific reason why people think that about the Jazz, and we can get to that. All right, we'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Angela Lansbury, bed knobs and broomsticks. It wasn't raining yet, but it was definitely a little misty on that warm November night. And my heart was pounding, my inner voice resounding, begging me to turn away. And then you casually walked in the room. 
and I was twisted in the web of my desire for you. What the hell is that? <laughs> that is being blindsided. You guys all make fun of me like I'm the only person that had a crush on Angela Lansbury. You are the only person that, that had is, a crush on Angela That is not true. No, it is pretty much true. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now. You can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. All right, we are asking the question this morning. Try to explain how the bleep the Jazz lost to Minnesota. In honor of Jerry Sloan, bleep, bleep, bleep. How did that happen? Oh, bleep. Team 29 beat Team 1. Now, there's some people who are just shaking it off, PK. Hamlet tweets at us, it's the balance of the universe. Did RSL beat Minnesota's team? Well, the Jazz sacrifice allowed that to happen. All right, some people are just going to have fun with it, and that's good. That's certainly as quirky an answer as any other we're getting this morning. But there are some people for whom this really hits home, and you say there is a reason that this really hits home and can't be shaken off. That's the difference between you and me. You describe that uh, post on Facebook as quirky. I describe it as stupid and a waste <laughs> of time. Uh, that sums up you versus me right there. If you can, read the one that you read right before we went to break about this is not a championship team. You have that there? Uh, yeah, they're coming in fast and furious, but let me find it. It's here. Uh, yeah, there were, there were a couple of them. Uh, Thank you said they are not as good as advertised. And Dr. Sarcastic Coog said, I don't know, but championship teams don't do that at home. Yeah, and see, that's the great reason and it's the great motivator because this team it's not universally doubted but it's widely doubted and until they prove it it's always going to be there and that's the great thing i felt they lacked for motivation to an extent uh to me casual is the word i'm putting on that performance on saturday a lot of folks saying this is not a titled caliber team because of the fact that, well, look, man, they lost to Minnesota. See, see, I told you. I told you. There's going to be a huge I told you on this team when the postseason starts. There's never been a team in franchise history, never, that has been this good but yet has this many doubters. No, without question. You combine the two. That's 100% true. Well, first off, right. there haven't been that many teams that have been this good. They're, they're winning 73% of the games right now. You know, you're basically, I'd have to do the math, but you're right at about a 60-win pace. Well, there haven't been that many 60-win teams in Jazz history. I mean, you, you get into the 90s, and they had three of them. So I guess maybe that first team that won 60. The 97-98 teams, there was more competence in those teams than in this team. No, I don't even think that first team did because there wasn't a, there wasn't a LeBron in a Western Conference right? at that time. No. There was a Kobe and Shaq, but they weren't the Kobe and Shaq of maturity. Yeah, I think at that point it was... Phil Jackson. It was more Hakeem and the Rockets. That's it. Yeah. Robinson and the Spurs, and Seattle was pretty good in that era with... uh, Yeah, there was a Seattle. Uh, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton. Those were the big dogs. But none of those guys are LeBron. Right, yeah, those are the big dogs, and none of them go to that level. Right. So, with that... 
is leading to a whole lot of doubt. Here we are with 12 games left, and they lose a game, and so many folk come out of the woodwork and basically saying, see, I told you. I mean, you can use whatever words you want to use, but that's essentially what they're saying. See, I told you. And here we are this deep in the season, and they're still facing that. That's why the playoff this year just has so much intrigue and so much entertainment value because if they should get it done, then this is the team that can stand up there and say, I can't say nobody, but there's a lot of folk just don't believe in this team. And each time they stumble, which they did on Saturday, they come running at you, metaphorically. <laughs> they let you know about it right off the bat, man. See, look at man. Come on, get out of town. This team isn't that good. So it's so fun. If they want, you should have intrinsic motivation, and the motivation is there to win it all, obviously. But if you believe in that stuff or you think that they, the other teams need it, and if Jordan looked for it, why shouldn't Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell? You can argue that. Well, it is there. It is there in abundance which makes this so much more fun. You know, when when you can prove people wrong, believe me, man, I've been doing it left and right. I'm doing it all the time, not so much anymore. But even in the radio, I mean, people just didn't, didn't believe me. Who's this no-name dude with this East Coast attitude? Do we really want him on the air? And you have to prove it. you got to go to work and you got to grind every day. And you got to show people, and you got to come up with a bunch of stuff over the years. Magic happens, or let down nine million Mormons, and all the stuff that I got on my own. Nobody got it for me. I got it on my own to prove that hey, I know what I'm doing here, and that's what's fun about this team. And I'm so intrigued to see if they can do it because there's never been a Jazz team that has been this successful, but yet been doubted this much. And it comes back to the first-round playoff loss. If Conley, if that shot goes in instead of rattling out and they win a series, and I don't know what happens in the next series with them and the Clippers. Denver obviously took down the Clippers. If they'd been deeper in the playoffs, it wouldn't be so many doubts. But I think that debate the TNT guys had, I think it was Thursday night, and Kenny Smith jumped in with, you know, well, how many teams win a championship after going out in the first round? You know, if they go to a conference final and get beat this year, they can win it next year. Kenny was completely on board with that. He volunteered that. But Barkley triggered the whole thing saying the Jazz are getting overlooked. They could do it. And I think there's two, there's one word, and you're very precise with your words, PK. You're far more precise than I am on the whole. And if people say can't, I immediately disagree. They can. Now, if you want to say, won't, that's different, you know? And that goes back to, are they the favorite or are they a contender? You know, they've got a shot at doing this. When you tell me they have no shot, now, if you want to tell me they don't have the best shot, that the Lakers and the Nets and I don't know, whoever else you want to put them, have a better shot, I don't think that can be debated. And I don't think Jazz fans' back should be up over that, although they may be, you know, depending on how emotionally attached you are to the team. When you say they can't, no, come on. They can. They clearly can. They've got a shot here. Yeah. Do they have the best shot? No, I don't think they do have the best shot. But they got a shot. So is it teams or is it players? Is it's, that what because Kenny it's, Smith it's mostly he did and he he didn't get credit for this and he kind of said under his breath he didn't sell it hard, but he did set aside 
teams that have acquired players who've got championship experience. And he said something real quick, like, well, if you go out and get a player, yeah, well, that's what the Nets did. You know, the Nets that's is a all group. it takes. The Nets is a group. I think when you have a leader who's been in those big moments, I think that's a huge advantage over it. And, and it's been in the big moments and succeeded. That's the best. That's the best thing you can do. So the Nets getting Durant, although the Nets haven't been champions, he's been there and he's both won it and lost it. You know, he's been to the finals, what, four times now? Because he went once with Oklahoma City and lost to Miami and LeBron. And he went three times with the Warriors. They won a couple and then the year he gets hurt, they lost. So, yeah, do I think the Nets are in a different place preparation-wise for winning a title than the Jazz or the Suns or the Nuggets? Yes. Yeah, I really believe they are. Now, the Lakers so you, are in a different place have, than the Nets because the Lakers You don't even have, have to be the group. primary guy then. You just uh, got to be on a team that wins it and play a nice role and you're no, good to I go? No, I think being one of the two or three big dogs is different than being guy six, seven, or eight, if that's what you mean. You know? I think that... Uh, no, I was playing an important role. Yeah. That's yeah, what I'm, uh, right. I think because in, in, in Golden State with, with Curry and with Durant... And with Clay Thompson, yeah, if I had one of those guys leading my team, I would feel differently than if I had, uh, I don't know, Iguodala and uh, who am I leaving out? I don't know. I'm blanking on which Warriors team is which now. They changed a little bit over time. Oh, Livingston. Livingston, Draymond Green. You know, Draymond Draymond Green, as good as he is, and as much as he's been an important part of that, you know, he didn't have the responsibility of taking the big shots in the big moments. You know, when you really have to go get a bucket. Yeah, the problem I, with did, Durant, and here's the problem with Durant. Did and this Irving? Is what, did, here's a, uh, well, yeah, because he hit the big shot in overtime no, did, for the did, Cavs. Did, no, that's because LeBron gave him the ball. I, I agree. I agree. But he did it, and that counts for something. And he was. He did it, but if he failed, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. It would have been yeah, on LeBron. It is different. And that's why, that's why I'll go to do I think that that, and they didn't get into this part of the discussion, do I think the Lakers have more to draw on than, than the Nets? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Honestly, they got LeBron. Right. They got LeBron. And also the group did it together, and that counts for something. You know, the whole mm, be connected yeah. and read each other's minds in the big moments and know who's supposed to take the shot where. And the Lakers have oh, been yeah. throwing the Nets haven't. So do the Lakers have more of them than the Nets? Yes. But do I think the Nets have more than it. Yeah. I think it's basketball. I mean, they the Lakers have been together, yep. so they got a bunch of guys who know. Hey, get the ball to this guy. <laughs> I mean, do you really need to be together to know that? Yeah, but I think what you know is that LeBron, <laughs> at a big moment, might give you the ball and might expect you to have your Steve Kerr moment. You know, <laughs> like well, yeah, or, you're or a your professional Paxton, basketball your player. Paxton moment. Of course you should. You're going to get the ball. If he, if he deems it, but it's all on him. Because if he deems you worthy to give you the ball, if you don't have confidence at that point, you're not even going to be in the league. So it, I don't it, buy the, the Nets goes, deal. I don't, I don't buy all that. So do you think they're starting from the same place the Jazz and the Suns are? Not having championship experience? I, no, no, they got better players. So that's why they're starting from a better position. I'm at, because under your theory, they don't. What's the difference if you got three superstars? James Harden hasn't done it, so no. he's just as much a superstar as Mike Conley. But to Kenny Smith's point, that Harden has been in conference finals and been on the second best team, and so this could be his moment to kick the door in and make the big play. Whereas the yeah, team because he's got been, better players on his team, team that's been out in the first round isn't going to kick that door down in multiple rounds and go all the way and win the title. 
And I think that was well, the, be, that was Kenny Smith's because point. Because they're not good enough. Well, that's Shaq's point. <laughs> the, Shaq's yeah. point is even less nuanced. I mean, hey, Donovan, you're not good enough. Not even, hey, nice game, 34 points, whatever it was. That's why I ran into the postgame show. But you're not good enough. I just said you're not good enough. You're not good enough. Shaq's if they don't was, win the title, that's nuanced. what it's going to boil down to. They're not good enough. Because under that theory, then, if they get – to a second or third round, then they're going to win it next year? Kenny was leaving the door open for that. I mean, we're going to have a round of free agency and trades, and they'll have a bunch of injuries, and they'll have a trade deadline. I mean, there's no guarantees, and a lot's going to happen, and another super team may form. Right. I mean, there's all so kinds there's of no guarantees either way. But, but and, and how does Curry get to win the title until he won the title? And that is the thing that they didn't bring up, at least in the clip I saw, because I wasn't watching it live. But it's on my Twitter feed, when I because that's where I saw the clip. And it's like, well, the answer is the Warriors. Because the Warriors went second round, then they went out in the first round, and then they won the championship. So they hadn't had a taste of the conference Yeah, but did finals. they get better? You don't just because you go out in the second round doesn't mean you're going to go out in the third round that's, and then when you go out in the third round you're going to win it all. It doesn't work that way. That's you true. got to be better. That's true, but you you have said this many times, you know it's true that over the last 30 or 40 years with the exception of, you know, Magic Johnson and and Steph Steph Curry, mostly you've got to fail multiple times, inch closer and then you eventually get there. That's if you how, get better, that's how you Jordan, don't eventually get it. No, I don't. I don't think you. Well, not everyone. Get it. Not everyone did, but that's how the Celtics did it. That's how the Sixers did it. That's how the Pistons did it. It's how the I'm leaving somebody out. Um, well, it's how the Bulls did it. I mean, on and on. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. Steve Cleveland's coming up in 15 minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show, the Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Howard Beck, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. Jazz winning some games without Donovan Mitchell. They're not playing the greatest competition necessarily, Howard, but what does it say about a team that they can keep winning basketball games without their number one offensive guy? I think what's encouraging about it is what happens in the playoffs if Donovan Mitchell's got an off game. If the defense is totally geared toward stopping him, does the offense have alternatives? Is there another way to attack that relies on everybody else? You don't want to be too dependent on one player when it gets to the postseason. So winning without Mitchell right now, I'm not saying it's some sort a preview or guide for the postseason, but it does build confidence and it does show they've got alternatives. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. One out away from a complete game shutout and seven no-hit innings. And the reason we can't call it a no-hitter is because in 1991, Major League Baseball made a rule that you had to play nine innings and have the lead to get a no-hitter. First pitch to Ozuna. He lines one to right, right at Josh Rojas and seven no-hit innings for Madison Bumgarner as the D sweep a double header from Atlanta 7 to nothing the D-backs pouring onto the field and congratulating Bumgarner there's the Chevy strong play of the game know it today 450 on the big show and you can win fabulous prizes and of course that'll be kind of the end of the big show because the pregame show starts at 5 because the game starts at 6 with the Jazz and the Timberwolves in Minnesota Madison Bumgarner 7 innings of no-hit ball, but officially he doesn't get a no-hitter. And PK, you are outraged. (laughs) 
Although most of the people on our Facebook page are not outraged. Most of them are like, yeah, seven innings. He didn't get him out in the eighth and ninth. Can't give it to him. Sure you can. You, you give can. him a seven-inning no-hitter. He goes down as a seven-inning no-hitter. MLB's going to play with Simple these rules. That. It counts. Yeah. These are the rules they created. Well, when they created that rule that you had to have lead and had to go in, in at least nine, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's they didn't have. There was no such thing as a seven-inning major league game. And I guess, you know, it could be uh, postponed and whatnot. Uh, or, uh, yeah, with rain. But although a lot of those games, they, uh, they continue. Uh, like the Diamondbacks and the Reds just had a, a suspended game and they continued it the next day. And so uh, they did that, right? And then, then they played nine innings in the second game. Well, it's a new day. You got you to gotta adapt. See, your problem, DJ, you don't adapt. I mean, you're, 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 I'm the great adapter. I adapt. Got any songs about adapting, Yach, you can play us out with? The great adapter. I don't remember that hit. Well, hey, I'm a great adapter. Went to Canada, starred as a raptor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back at me. You know what I'm saying? No, I really don't. <laughs> Although I didn't mind raptor. That wasn't that wasn't that We bad. had a very extensive like music playlist in here. I typed in adapt. Nothing, nothing came up. Nothing at all. <laughs> Doesn't somebody sing that song? Oh, yes. I'm the great Adapter. Woo woo. Who sang that tune? No idea. Well, it's Pretender, but I don't know who sang it. It's probably back in the 60s or 50s. I'm the great pretender. I don't know. I don't know if somebody sang it. I'm, I'm not sure who. But I think you got to change. You got to go with the, you got to flow. I don't think, the, the funny thing is the way they reacted, you know, I, I wasn't watching the game live, but I saw it. Uh, obviously in the highlights, that they, how were they quite sure? They ran to the mound, and they jumped up and down and all, and Bumgarner, who doesn't seem like he's the uh, friendliest of dudes. <laughs> he's not the most fun guy in the room. <laughs> no, he seems like a Randy Johnson-type player. Maybe not quite as uh, ornery uh, as Randy Johnson was, but then they'd start gathering around. He's a big dude, too, man. He's a... Bochi used to call him what a country guy, as strong as an ox. You well, know he's I mean? a bull rider, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, he did do that, and I think he's a he's a rancher. Uh, so uh, then they they kind of jumped, and then he finally did break out a little bit of a smile. But it's not the same as a nine. I get that, but I still think that these are the rules that they created. That's like saying, okay, what do we do on the Jazz? It's not an eighty-two game season here, so well, why should this really count? But yet it does. Yep. What's you the decide, difference? You, well, you decide ahead of time what counts and what doesn't. You know, and and I guess the difference is the no hitters or footnotes, uh, and you're playing for a championship, and that is the reason you're going to play. So if you play, if you're all in to go get it, and then you don't get it, I just don't think you should be complaining about it. You're you're all in to play to go get it, and you're all cashing the checks. So go get it. And then a footnote, you can argue over a footnote whether this counts or that counts. All this other stuff is footnotes. You're playing for the championship. I think it should be a footnote. It's just, it's just, it's just like the uh, home run, all these stats, man. Yeah. Everybody's out. That's why Pete Rose should be in the hall. 
Because it really happened. At 4,200 or whatever many hits he had, I don't know off the top of my head, whatever that is, that's what he had. And then later on he was banned from baseball because he violated one of the basic premises of the game. You cannot bet on baseball. And he did. Bet on his team. Yeah. And who knows what else he did. Uh, <laughs> that that's just what we know. But that's right. that's by baseball standards, that's horrific. So whatever else happened, uh, he bet on his team to win. Well, that's just completely out of bounds. You can't do that. Well, yeah. And, and who knows what else. So so you put that in there and you put the person's story just like this. Well, this was a seven-inning no-hitter, and the reason why, and you think they should go back to nine. Yeah. Probably not going to do it this year because they already made the rule. Right. So my, And they don't play doubleheaders ever uh, anymore. They, I mean, they play day-night, which is like playing two single games in one day. It's right. not a true it's not, doubleheader. It's not a doubleheader. It's no. not 25 minutes to go to the locker room, get something to eat. Come, right. you know, change unis and come back out and play again. I was a kid, and my father got tickets to the Mets, and they're a doubleheader. And he said, well, you were going to go doubleheader. And I said, you mean I'm going to go be at Shea Stadium for like six, seven, eight hours? Yep. I said, oh, take me now. Literally, take me now. I mean, I, as a kid, that was so awesome. And then, a few years later, in Oakland, I got Reggie Jackson's autograph after a doubleheader. And, man, he was furious. He was, I've been at the ballpark all day. Well, my mother knew his girlfriend's mother. And she dropped her name. Reggie stopped in his tracks. (laughs) It's... Knew he had to sign. <laughs> and I got a picture of me. I'm like 12 years old. A picture of me and Reggie, and only one of us was smiling. <laughs> <laughs> did you enable everyone to catch up to him, or did you just get to be one and done? Or did no, they, everyone got him at that point? There wasn't. A, there was a lot of kids in the neighborhood, and there was a bunch of kids on bikes, and they stayed. So there wasn't a lot of people, maybe 20, 25, but he did sign for all of them. And how oh, he was so peeved. And then I remember him saying, man, we just played a doubleheader. And I, and I said something like, gosh, I wish I could play a doubleheader. And so then he realized he had to sign. So he signed. I took the picture. They snapped the picture. I got it somewhere. And he wasn't smiling. And then uh, he got, uh, after he got done, he got in his sports car. By that time, that parking lot was completely empty. And he squealed the tires and peeled out. And just hauled out of the parking lot. And little did I know at that time, years later, both of us would be Arizona State legends. And on that note, (laughs) Steve Cleveland's coming up next. All these basketball things, all the stuff about the jazz that we've been arguing about. We're running all past Steve. See what he thinks. Stay with us.